You're listening to the 50 by 50 podcast for the young at heart woman who is looking to get the most out of life as she steps up to 50 and beyond. Hey there, it's Rochelle Marie. Welcome to this episode of the 50 by 50 podcast, where today we are talking with the amazing Kate, oh, I don't even know how to say your last name, Kate Trollstra. Trollstra. Trollstra, Trollstra, which is kind of funny because we've known each other for a couple of years now and I've never (laughs) had to say your surname. I've known it. I've never had to say it. Kate Trollstra. So Kate is joining us from, I want to say, Southern America, one of the mm-hmm. southern states, South Carolina. Uh, and Kate and I have known each other now for coming up to two years. Not we're not there yet, because mm-hmm. uh, I know it was after I started my business, and I haven't been in that for two years yet. And we met through uh, the amazing Anna Banana, uh, doing her course together. And we've just stayed in touch ever since. And we formed a mastermind group and we meet at least monthly, mostly. Yeah, and we just um we just have so much, I guess, mindset in common. And it's been so much fun getting to know you and watching your journey and seeing all the amazing things you do, which I am sure we're gonna talk about. So after that big, long introduction, welcome, Kate. (laughs) Thank you. I am happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have our our chat today because while we talk every month um, and we talk about a lot of stuff in the world and like we just, (laughs) just before we started this podcast, we just solved the problems of the world. So we're we're on to a good start, (laughs) Um, but we don't, you know, it's nice to kind of go into into history and we don't do that a lot so um this will be a fun conversation so I do want to start with who is Kate today (laughs) and I I feel a bit like Kate's morphed a number of times um but I also feel like there's probably a thread that we're going to unpack in here as well because I can yeah I can see that coming through Um, so who do you kind of identify as at this point in time? Who is Kate? Today. Yes. Today. Kate. Today. Yes. Um, okay. So um, the professional Kate um, as the what pays the bills Kate, um, I am a fundraising consultant. So I was in educational fundraising for 25 years at one institution or another. And um, three years ago, right? couple years before COVID, four years ago, going on four years, Mm -hmm. um, I started my own consulting business and so have been doing that um, for the past four years. Love it um, because I do love fundraising and I believe in education. My dad was a professor um, and so I grew up in that academic environment. So um, I I like that. I'm at home with it. but in terms of me, um, what makes me happy, um, you know, I love everything vintage. And so um, I guess a year ago, we just celebrated March 1. Um, I started a, uh, I, I re- started renting a booth at a vintage market and started selling things that I had at first because my husband said, you have too many 
things. Um, <laughs> we need more space. And, um, but I wanted to share it with everyone else. And so that has sent me on an amazing journey of learning a lot about vintage Christmas, mid-century modern furniture, glasses, bottles, Pyrex, um, just has been interesting and fun for me um, being a lifelong learner. This mm -hmm. is just, it's just fun stuff to learn. Um, and Chris and I were just talking about it this afternoon in terms of, I'm so much happier doing that than I was when I was blogging right after I, I started my own business. So this has definitely been a better phase for me. Um, and my husband and I are, are huge Clemson University sports fans. Um, so I have to say that, um, you know, we go to football games, we go to basketball games, we were at a baseball game last week. Um, it is very much present since we live in the town where the university is um, and it's a small town. So um, that's very much a part of our lives and um, projects. I have a Sears and Roebuck kit house that was ordered from a magazine in 1935 and came in on the train. Um, I was fortunate enough to buy it with the inside renovated um, very smartly, keeping those, those old vintage touches. Um, but we have an acre. And so we've been landscaping and building and doing projects. Um, so that's usually what you'll see on my Facebook page is our latest project. We have a bunch of, of his fraternity brothers and my friends from high school. And that's what they follow is our projects. So that's how we, that's how we spend our time. So there's so many pieces of you in that. <laughs> um, so it, it's like, and they're so varied and so well-rounded between, between sort of, I guess, history, sports, project management, um, <laughs> and then and fundraising for not-for-profits um, or, or education. Like, wow. <laughs> uh, do you think there's a thread that ties all of those together like what is it in in each of those that I think you you hit on it in terms of that project management um I am an engineer by education right um applied math electrical engineering that's kind of my background and um so I am very project oriented and I am very process oriented um and you see that in my fundraising and what I do for my consulting these days is really help folks find the process in their fundraising so that it's sustainable um, and repeatable um, from year to year. Um, so building that. Um, so I see that in my fundraising and I see it, you know, in my in my booth work in terms of just you know, building my inventory and figuring out what sells, what doesn't. Um, I've been fortunate so far that what I like seems to sell fairly well, so I don't have to go off too far off from my passion. Um, but I think it's probably that project management. Um, typically around this time, Chris and I um, would be at a happy hour somewhere at, you know, one of our favorite hangouts with a project book listing you know, what we want to get done this week around the house, what we need to get done at work. Um, and so that's very much, he's an engineer too. So our brains do think alike in terms of, of that process. 
So I think that's probably what ties it all together um, is just, you know, finding that the way to get from A to B. Do you, so this is just a, uh, I don't know, this just came to me, but with the sports, because I'm trying to tie the sports into this process. Uh, and one of the things I used to love about sports when I was at school, I used to uh, do the scoring for the guys cricket team first 11 um and it was you know little dots and w's when there was a wicket <laughs> and like it like it's sports but to me it was the structure behind the sports and the stats i used to like i i used to watch um this is embarrassing but i used to watch elections as a young <laughs> as a young teenager and just like love the stats that were coming out yeah. the bar graphs and the percentages yeah. and like that was what excited me i don't know really care back then who won or who didn't um but is that does that tie into like do you bring that to the sports as well as obviously a passion for the the place that you live yeah and it's definitely you know and it's more of the player stats yeah and team stats you know because now you know we've been fortunate we've had good years um these past five ten years and so we have a lot of of former players who are now playing in the NFL. And so now we follow those teams. And so, you know, again, it's who do we watch? We watch the teams, you know, on Sunday that have our players. Yeah. And so um, that's how we plan our, our Sunday afternoon is, you know, who's, who's playing, who's on that team. Um, so it's really kind of just following, um, following the path and the, the connections. Um, which I think is another thing that probably goes through everything that I've that I've done is, you know, the personal connections from fundraising, and you know, you have the opportunity to meet these really interesting people, um, especially when you're raising significant gifts. And so, um, you know, that's keeping in touch with those folks and and keeping connected. I mean, they're board members from, you know, the late '90s that I still keep in touch with. Um, and so those friendships and those connections, and it's the same thing with sports, because now we have folks that we've met going to games that we connect with now away from sports. And, you know, they're people that that I've connected with through this vintage market that I stay connected with even beyond estate sales and, and the market. And so, you know, I think that's probably the other thing, um, which is a little bit unusual for an engineer to to be a people person too, but it does happen, I guess. Oh, My husband and I are proof positive. Yeah. Um, because we're both like that. And so that connections is probably the other piece um, that kind of runs through everything. Um, you know, when it's game day for me, it's fun for the game, but it's also fun because I know I can swing by these half a dozen tailgates to see so-and-so and so-and-so from Tennessee and so-and-so from California is going to be in. And, you know, so it gives me a chance to re reconnect with yeah. those folks. So that's also, um, you know, I think part of, of what is fun about it for me. And, I, and I'm guessing that it were, the world would be a better place if more engineers were people, 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 uh, <laughs> That would probably be a good thing. So uh, I'm glad you exist. I'm glad there are engineers out there that are um, 
enjoy the connection and the people side of things. Um, okay, there's two things I want to just touch on briefly because I, I didn't know coming from Australia that either of these things existed. One I think is very American. The other I think is just not in my wheelhouse. Um, so can you briefly say what a tailgate is? Because in Australia, it's when you follow someone too closely while you're driving. <laughs> and it's not, that is not what you're talking about when you're going to no. see people at a tailgate. <laughs> no. So um, in the South um, in particular, um, the, 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 socializing that happens before and after sporting events is almost as important as the event itself. Um, so for example, if we have a 3.30 football game on Saturday, um, we have an assigned parking spot that we pay very good money for. Um, and we're there by 10 o'clock. And, you know, we're there with food, we're there with booze, we're there with um, a TV. Um, and there are literally thousands of other people like us doing the same thing all across the Clemson campus and all across the Southeast. Um, and it's just, it's a time for families to get together. It's a time for friends to get together. Um, you know, and it, we do it before the game, we do it after the game, depending on what time the game is. And so it's, it's a social event. Um, and again, in the South, you see it done a little bit more to the nth degree. Um, I think our weather helps us um, up north. I have no desire to tailgate when it's 30. Um, and I don't think a whole lot of other people do either. So, Sorry. but in the South, it's, it's, um, it's a happening. Yeah. It's an event yeah. in and of itself. <laughs> it sounds so amazing. It's one of those things to me that existed in movies and um, I just thought existed in movies. I didn't think, you know, those like it's like when the girls on the roller skates go up with the shakes in the on the tray to the car window. That to me is just a movie thing. That never happens in real life. But you're like living the movies for me. <laughs> so, so you'll have to come visit and see for yourself one fall. We are there as soon as we can be. <laughs> um, now, the other one I wanted to touch on, and you didn't say the words in here, but I know you've spoken about it many times in, in your vintage booth uh, where you talk about mid-century modern. And until you talked about it, I'd never heard about mid-century modern. Uh, and I had to really, like, think that through each word. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I kind of <laughs> got, okay, so we're talking like, I mean, to me, mid-century, 50s, 60s maybe, mm -hmm. uh, style of furniture mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. or things. So is that, yeah. is that what it is? Yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. Um, yeah. And so 50s and 60s, um, depending on, especially in the United States, where you were, um, for some, it might have started in the late 40s. Um, for some of us in the South, you know, things happen at a slower pace here. So it really happened the 60s and into the 70s a little bit. Um, but think clean lines, um, that Danish style, um, a lot of teak, um, just gorgeous clean lines of furniture, um, white walls, um, which really spotlight the furniture and the things on the wall. Um, and then retro also, fits in there. So you see a lot of oranges, a lot of avocado greens, a lot of um, turquoise. 
those colors um, come out a lot um, in that. So that's mid-century, mid-century modern. And there is a mid-century that is definitely not modern, right. <laughs> which probably should stay in the mid-century, yeah. <laughs> at least for my taste. Yeah. Um, but the mid-century modern is is those cool kind of funky retro lines, you know, the cone fireplaces. Yeah. Um, those are, you know, very mid-century. Um, so if we think almost that 70s show, is that nearly it or a bit before that even? A bit before then. Yeah, okay. A bit before then. So yeah. again, think of those those clean lines, the teak color furniture. Yeah. See, um, I, when you say America in the 50s or 60s or depending, you know, depending, I, I, my guess is for Queensland, that's, we're probably talking the 80s because we are so far behind here. <laughs> that we're probably talking whatever whatever America had in the and even New Zealand back then. Um, it's completely different now because everything is so much more real time. But um, it used to take it was at least six months before a um, these are the days of your lives episode traveled from America <laughs> to New Zealand to watch. So I feel like you know furniture and and trains think, were well behind. Think about. Think about um, like the Brady Bunch. Right. Yeah. That that has some very mid-century feel to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That getting helps. into the 70s with the shag carpet, that's a little too 70s. Right. Okay. Um, but it has, it definitely has some elements. Yeah. Um, I Dream of Jeannie. Um, yeah. And what was the other one? Bewitched. Yes. That, okay. you know, those are yeah. 60s shows that you'll see you know some yeah. of that stuff in there yeah yeah I like it I like that style I, I'm not sure about the colors uh I mean I do like the colors but I would not put them up on my walls anymore but uh I like the look of them um okay I still like them on the back yeah okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. and but see yours is understated it, I know you guys can't see that, that they're listening but um Kate's got greens and oranges in the background there but it's not the whole place so it, it looks <laughs> of course okay so let's look at your big the big points in time okay um, so what are the the one or two places in time that you can look back to events in time that if they had not happened you would not be the Kate you are today well, one of them I had absolutely no control over, um, and that's I was an only child, uh -huh. um, and um, wanted a big brother. When I was like four, I was hounding my mom for a big brother, and she just had the hardest time trying to tell me <laughs> that that really wasn't biologically possible. <laughs> I did the same thing. I I had three younger sisters. And I still hounded my mother who had me when she was 18, by the way. And I was convinced that when she was 16, she'd had a son and adopted him out and she needed to bring him back again. And so I totally, totally get that there's a need for an older yeah. brother. So yeah. Yep. yep. I wanted another brother and I have no idea why, <laughs> um, but I, but I really did. Um, but I was an only child. And so I think for me that, gave me a lot of independence yeah um and a lot of 
you know, well, I have to figure it out for myself. I have to figure out what I'm going to do. I have to, you know, so it was a lot of, I learned a lot of initiative, um, a lot of self-reliance. Um, and I think that that made a difference, mm. um, especially I think when starting my business, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. Mm. Um, and Chris is the best support anyone could have for anything. Um, but I was like, I'm going to do this. And so I think that came, you know, from being that only child and having to, to figure things out. Yeah. Um, was Chris know. an only child or was he one of? No, he has two younger sisters. Okay. Um, so he's the oldest, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but he's, he's a great support. But for me, um, you know, my parents are, are Dutch. And so all of my, most of my cousins, if not all of my cousins and aunts and uncles, at least when I was growing up, they were overseas. Right. So from a family unit, it was me and mom and dad. Yeah. And that was it. And so, you know, it was, I had to figure it out. Mm -hmm. I had to build my own connections, figure out my own way. And, um, you know, that was, I didn't realize it then, um, but definitely now, you know, if I'm dealing with a tough problem or going through something, it's really me, myself and I that are talking about it, trying to figure it out before kind of getting it out to the public. Um, you know, and I think that that definitely comes from being, you know, an only child. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, did, did the the fact that you so did you move to america before you were born you were born here no i was born here okay i was born here so my dad came over um he was recruited by mit to come and teach they needed right. english speaking phds right um, after the war so it was you know late 50s okay early 60s and um so they came and decided to stay and um, I was born, you know, probably six or seven years after they were moved here. So do you think that just the, because that takes courage to move, mm -hmm. particularly from Europe to America, like maybe Europe to England wouldn't have been as big a um, cultural shift, but mm -hmm. from Europe to America would have been a big cultural shift. Uh, not too many people would have been doing it back then. And I'm just wondering if that influenced you within being an only child, as well as being um, like growing up in a family that had a different culture and was trying to grapple with this new um, way of living, I guess. Yeah. It, you know, they were still very Dutch for mm -hmm. a very long time. Mm -hmm. um, one would say that dad is still as Dutch as he was. <laughs> 30 40 years ago um but you know it was definitely different mm. you know i grew up with my parents sitting down and most folks probably don't even know these exist the blue airmail letters that you would write and then you could fold in on themselves and seal on the sides mm -hmm. i mean they wrote to their parents every week yeah and that was the way that they communicated because at the time calling someone was so expensive mm. and you know that that was kind of how and and you know grandparents came to visit and so i knew my grandfather fairly well but you know they 
they decided that this is where they wanted to be, but they stayed um, Dutch citizens up until um, the 90s. Wow. Um, they finally decided to take the plunge yeah. um, in the 90s, but um, it was definitely interesting. Um, and so how how do you identify American. I mean, I'm an, I'm, I'm an American. Yeah. Um, though having said that, we just bought tickets to go back um, to the Netherlands um, to visit family. Yeah. So um, we're going to go with dad, um, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, he'll be 87 at the end of this month. So yeah. We're going to go with them and see family and see yeah. all the old places. And yeah. Yeah. Exciting. So, yeah. yeah. So we're excited about that. Yeah. Uh, okay, and is there another event? On the personal side, um, probably going through my divorce in Charlotte, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was in a place, um, he was an alcoholic, he wasn't abusive, mm -hmm. um, but it was, it was getting worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And you know, getting out of that, getting out of town, finding a new job, making that move, you know, and really doing all that pretty much in isolation up until the very end. Mm. Um, I mean, I didn't even tell my parents, they knew it wasn't good, um, but I didn't even tell my parents that I was moving and had a new job until I had signed the contract and um, was looking to move. Mm. Uh, so that, it was very isolating um, for the last few years. I mean, I was married to him nine years mm -hmm. um, and those last several years was very isolating because we couldn't go out. Mm. Um, and so work was my outlet. Um, but outside of that, I didn't have friends because I didn't wanna put them in the situation. Yeah. Um, and so I think going through that, um, when Chris and I started dating, um, and he had been through a divorce, not, there wasn't an addiction like there was with me, but it wasn't fun. No, I mean, no divorce is really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, but we were both able to really be open and communicate about what we liked, what we didn't like, you know, what we wanted. And so I think that has really helped mm -hmm. us. I mean, it'll be nine years for us in the fall. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I, I think from the beginning, it was, you know, I'm going to tell you this. Mm -hmm. um, let me tell you how I feel, or I really don't like that. And, mm -hmm. you know, and it might not be something that we can change, but at least getting it out and not leaving it pent up to build um I think it's a big deal yeah uh, so so how that communication because I it is key and I agree and um I wonder because not everybody goes into the next relationship I think the the statistics are pretty bad for second relationships um still uh and 
my theory is, you know, unless you've changed, unless you've learned your lessons and, and done your work on yourself, then you're just bringing yourself into your relationship and you are half the reason that the first one fell through. And that's yeah. you know, not, not absolutely true, but yeah. it has to be work done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering what you feel like you did from a communication perspective, because I do believe that's key to a, a healthy relationship what did you do between your first marriage and your second that that helps you step that up I gave myself plenty of space in between the two relationships and mm -hmm. I think that was was huge mm -hmm. um, I mean I probably didn't date for a year year and a half yeah um, and I think that helped me kind of really kind of assess what it was that I wanted and, mm. you know, where I was in life. Um, because at that point, you know, I was, I was hitting 40 and so kids weren't it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, making sure and being 40 also, you know, I really felt like, you know, I don't have time to mess this up again. Mm -hmm. And so I'm gonna do everything I can to make sure it's right this time. And so if there's, you know, a huge issue, being honest with myself, because that was the thing that I think took me so long to make the move was just being honest that I can't fix it. Yeah. It has to be fixed from, you know, that person has to want to get better. Yeah. And, um, and there's only so much that I could do. And, you know, exiting myself from that sooner, being honest with myself sooner, I think, um, you know, would have made a lot more sense at the time. Mm -hmm. But it was just, again, it's one of those things, you know, I had to work through it. Um, I had to figure it out. But once I figured it out, I'm like, okay, you know, don't, don't tell yourself, oh, that's okay. Or, oh, that will get better. Or, oh, you know, it's not that bad. Mm -hmm. Um, if, if you're spending time thinking about something like that, it is that bad and it should be, you know, something that you either work through, work out or move on. Yeah. At least that's where I was, um, you know, with my next relationship. Yeah. So I think that having that in the back of my mind, I was very upfront, yeah. um, when Chris and I started, you know, getting more serious. Yeah. Yeah. So um, his mom still wanted us to have kids, um, which was interesting. You know, when I say, okay, let's do the math. You know, <laughs> if I was, if I were pregnant now, when we are just dating, if I were pregnant today, that would mean that they would be getting out of college when I was 62. <laughs> Not going to happen. <laughs> Not going to happen. Um, so um, but being able to talk about to it with Chris. Oh, and then she was like, well, you could adopt. <laughs> so, you know, and some things weren't meant to happen. And Chris and I talk about it all the time. You know, if we had met 10 years earlier, mm -hmm. it might have been a totally different conversation. It might not have been a totally different conversation, but it might have been. At least it would have been a feasibly possible conversation. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, so things happen for a reason. And yeah. 
Yeah. You know, we have, um, we have nephews and a niece and yeah, that's good. Yeah. Two dogs, two cats and a dog. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which which you know they take up a pretty big part of your household they do so. they do, they do. Um, so I, I mean that's i think that's the only way that you can get through is just is just understanding that that things have happened the way they have for a reason and if they hadn't you wouldn't be where you are today and from what i can tell you love where you are today and not yeah. to say you wouldn't have loved it anyway, but you do. And yeah. what part of it would you want to swap out? It's really hard to say, oh, well, I'd, you know, if I let that go, then what might I have let go today that I really, really like? So, yeah, I think, um, you know, my husband and I often sort of lament that it would have been nice if we'd met earlier and saved ourselves some heartache on the way through. Uh, <laughs> And yet, if we had, we wouldn't have been the people that we were when we met. We needed to go right. through the heartache so that we, yeah. like you, could then go, okay, well, now I'm really clear on what I want, what I don't want, and I'm not prepared to mess around. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. and it's just like I used to tell my team when, when I was working at an institution, you know, I want you to make mistakes. You need mm -hmm. to make mistakes because if you're not making mistakes, you're not stretching. Mm -hmm. And if you're mm -hmm. not stretching, we're not growing. And if we're not growing, then we have a problem. And so, you know, allowing myself to say, okay, I'm making mistakes. But then again, what I told my team is make mistakes, just don't make the same mistake twice. Yes. Right. And so that's, that's where you learn and where you grow is okay. You know, let's not do that again. Yeah. You yeah. know how that ended and that wasn't fun. <laughs> um, you know, so let's let's learn from it and 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 move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And and you are, you're in a great place now. So those those two events in your life, one not in your control at all, and one a lot in your control. Um it, it is yeah it's got you to where you are and where you are is amazing um and so yay yeah absolutely absolutely but i will say you know the one thing that i had started to do 12 years ago so chris and i have known each other for 12 years now mm -hmm. um and i moved here in 2008 i moved to clemson in 2008 mm -hmm. Um, so I've been, I've had this house at least for 14 years. We mm -hmm. were in Atlanta for a little while, but, um, you know, one of the things that I was really kind of aware of when I was on my own, I started my job here and two weeks later we had the stock market crash mm -hmm. and the recession. And so, you know, I was worried at that point about keeping my job mm -hmm. because I was pretty much the last one hired. Um, you know, last one hired, first one fired, kind mm -hmm. of. And so I was really nervous about it. And I just bought a house. Um, and so, and all the bills were mine all of a sudden. And so I created this plan um, where by 50, you know, I wanted to pay out all my debt. I didn't want to have to worry because I thought if, if I don't have a house payment, you know, I can go and work at Lowe's Home Improvement and pay my bills um you know so if, if i can get rid of that huge chunk then 
you know, I can survive. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of what I set out to do. And then Chris came into the picture and he bought in, um, which was great because I was a huge portion of my cha- paycheck was going towards paying down that mortgage. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, we, we beat my goal by a year, um, 2018, you know, we were able to, to say, forget Atlanta and the traffic and the crime and come back here. Um, Crystal has his job. He works from home, um, which is great. Um, and I was able to start my consulting business um, and then get into the vintage market. Um, but that plan that started, you know, as I was turning 40, really helped get us to here. Yeah. Um, and so that also, I think, was a huge you know, huge piece of, of us being able to be where we are today Yeah. Um, in the circumstances we are today. And we're extremely fortunate. And we, we talk about that. Um, our little, our phrase is I-L-O-L, um, which is not laugh out loud. It's I love our life. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we say that to ourselves and each other all the time. Yeah. Um, because we are extremely fortunate, Mm -hmm. Um, but we're fortunate because we really, we planned for it, we worked at it. um, And that was, that was just where we wanted to be. Um, And so that plan, you know, 10, 12 years ago, um, really made the difference. Mm -hmm. You know, and in that time, we also paid off cars and you know, we bought a vacation home and, you know, again, we paid it all. We, that went into the, into the formula um, and it, you know, moved the timeline here and there. And, um, but that was, that was always the goal. Um, You know, no debt, no debt. Um, So. So one of the, the few times that we can thank the, I don't know what you guys call it, but we call it the, the great financial crisis. So the GFC, yeah, um, recession. Yeah. recession. Yeah. So yeah. yeah because exactly. it was really what put it into my head. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, the, and then again, you know that 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 engineer is okay. That's a problem. What do I need to change to fix it? Yeah. Um, and if I don't have this house payment, you know, everything else is manageable. Yes. Yeah. So how do I, how do I solve that to zero? <laughs> yeah. 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 Great. So, awesome. um, yeah. So that, that's, that's a big piece. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to move on to the next question. Okay. What is something you wish you'd known earlier than now? Again, I think, you know, having that plan for the future, you know, if you're going to have big plans for where you want to be at 50, you know, for those of you out there who are listening to this who aren't yet 50, <laughs> um, if you're in your 30s and your 40s, it is not too soon to start thinking about what you want to be and where you want to be at 50. Mm-hmm. Um, because some of those plans are, are you know, big and audacious. Mm-hmm. And they take time because they are big and audacious. And mm-hmm. so, 
you know, you just, you have to, to think about it. Don't just wake up and be 50. <laughs> it feels like um, it's what happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's what I would say for the folks out there who are, you know, who still have years out there. Um, you know, and for those who are, it's, it's, you still have that time to plan, but, but think about it mm. and think about what you can do, where you want to be ultimately. Mm. Um, because at some point you have to stop moving towards something and you have to, to be there. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's the end of a journey, but you have to be happy with where you are and not constantly trying to be somewhere else. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, you know, for me, I wanted to be there at 50. For some people, they want to be there at 60 or 65 or 70. Um, heck, some people want to be there when they're 40, which is mm. great. Mm. Um, but, you know, figure that out and then figure out how you're going to get there, mm. um, I think is the biggest. And I don't even know if I was thinking about it in those terms mm -hmm. when I started that plan. You know, for me, it was just security of how am I going to survive yeah. if I'm by myself and I don't have this job. Um, and so that drove me, um, but ultimately it gave me the ability to be in this wonderful place, mm. both mentally and physically and emotionally mm. at this time of life. Mm. So, mm. Uh, uh, yeah, and I think that's great advice. And I think, you know, like what you said is, is it's okay to start now as well if you're not there and you are 50 then yeah. where do you want to be when you're 55 or when you're 60 and start that now um and also and i love the idea of uh so i'm reading a book at the moment that's talking about we um we'll make plans but they're more like i want to be i know we, we keep competing with the joneses so we'll get somewhere and then decide oh but I can keep going and we never get to the end we're always feeling like we have to strive for more we have to do bigger and better and uh, you know I think it's a good reminder to stop and look at where was enough going to be if I look back 10 years ago and I where I am now I would have been shocked. I would have been amazed. I would have been like, yeah, right. You're dreaming. Like that's just a dream world. And so here I am now in this dream world and it's still partly, okay, what's next? Where else, you know, what, what else am I going to do? I need more or better or, you know, and thankfully neither my husband or I are particularly materialistic. We, we don't do um, fancy cars or, you know, but we do experiences. And so, uh, for us, what we're what we're earning money for is to travel and see you in the states, yep. go to Amsterdam, and you yep. know that's sort of um, what our our aim is. But we've also started talking about well, how do we exit? How do we? How do you get to retire? Uh, what do, what would that mean if you retired now? And you know those kind of conversations. And I think it's about. I guess for us though, we are also. Hello, Owling. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, loving our life and 
and eternally grateful we are always grateful um and and really do recognize that where we are we didn't we weren't sure we were going to get here because there's been so many bumps and regardless of the fact that I did have a plan to retire at 50 uh there were a number of things that popped up that I was not expecting that got in the way of that plan and that's okay like Mm -hmm. And I guess, you know, just to say, if you did have a plan and you didn't make it, that's okay too. Um, What's your next plan? And where's the end point? Yeah. And I think, you know, getting to retire, I mean, my dad failed miserably at his first retirement. Mm -hmm. Um, After 10 years, my mom said, you need to get out of the house and get a job or you just need to get (laughs) out of my house because you're driving me nuts. And so, you know, he failed miserably because he, that was his end point. Yeah. And so I think when you say I'm going to retire, it's like, okay, but what does that look like for you? Um, You know, for me, you know, I'm always going to be in vintage. And so, I mean, and I can do this until, you know, forever, I feel like right now, Mm. you know, and, and now I'm trying to grow that so that if I did want to do that full time it gives me the income I need at this point in my life to, to make it, to make it work. Mm. And so, you know, that I'm, so I'm still building, I'm still growing. I'm not done. Um, But I'm also not necessarily looking for the next bigger, better thing. It's just, it's different. Yes. And I'm not explaining that really well. Um, But it's a different type of growth. Yeah. To me, the race is off and that's where I got to is, is the race is off. I'm not, I'm not racing time. I'm not racing someone else. I'm yeah. just growing for growth's sake. Yeah. Um, yeah. Enjoyable. And, and how do I make it work better? And, and what do I need to do? You know, so, and, and again, Chris and I talk about that on a regular basis, you know, mm-hmm. do we want to, I opened a second booth last month. So now I have two booths in two different locations. And so we'll see, what that does for growth Mm -hmm. um you know and if I start seriously strategically posting things to Instagram and to Facebook that are in my booth you know does that give me a push and and, you know so you know there are those things that help that piece grow and so how big can we get it Mm. um so that I can do it full time Mm. Mm. um but again it's not it's not a, it's not a race. It's not, okay, this job is going to take me to the next job. That's going to take me to this next job. Um, you know, I don't have to do that anymore. Um, and that's exciting. Yes. For me anyway. Yes. Yes. Um, Absolutely. At at this point in my life. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like the last question we've, we've talked about a lot already. Um, so I'd be interested to see if you can narrow it down to one thing, but what is the best thing about this stage of life? Being happy with where I am. Yeah. Um, I think that that really just kind of sums it up mm. uh, in terms of, you know, physically we love Clemson. We love this town. It's close to family. Um, you know, it's close to what we love to do in our free time. Um, you know, so personally, it's a good place, um, you know, professionally, you know, I do have my consulting, which is great. I still love dabbling in that. I love helping organizations grow and build that, um, because I know fundraising isn't for everyone and that's, that's okay. 
I've come to understand that. Um, but, you know, I just, I feel really good with where I am. And again, it's not, I'm not looking for that bigger, better thing now, but I'm just trying to make what I have be the best it can be um, for me and for Chris. And, you know, and so that, you know, it's a really different mindset. Um, and I don't think either of us realized that that's where we were for a couple of years because we were so used to, you know, the stress of more and next. And, and it, it took us a while to say, hey, you know, we're, we're in this place and it's kind of a cool place to be. Um, and so being able to really, again, embrace it and ILOL, um, you know, that I think is, is the best part. Um, and again, for, for us, it happened at 50, you know, for other folks, it may be later or earlier, or, you know, it might be something now that you want to put your pin, put a pin in it and say, this is what I want. Um, let's figure out how to get there. Um, because I really think we're fortunate that we kind of, you know, we had our plan, um, but we fell into this place of where we are being happy with where we are, um, kind of by accident. Um, you know, we weren't looking for that when we had this plan. It was for a totally different reason. Um, and now we're, we're really just blessed to be in this place. Um, so. Love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's amazing. And um, congratulations. And, and also, I think congratulations on recognizing it because, you know, it, it is easy to just drift through life and not put a pin in it and not recognize that where you are is amazing where so, yeah. where we want to be yeah 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 awesome all right Kate thank you so much for your um your conversation today that was really good and I think some really good points in there for people to kind of um mull over and you know get get some plans together, um, think about even the bad things that have happened in life that really, if they had enough, you wouldn't be who you are or where you are today. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely, thank you. And we will, I will catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening to the 50 by 50 podcast. I'm really glad you're here. If you enjoyed today's episode, could you rate and leave a review? This really goes a long way in helping other women to find the podcast. Also, if you have a question about turning 50 or making the most out of life, email me at rochelle at herleadershipway.com. You'll find that address in the show notes and I might be able to address it in an upcoming episode. And I'll see you next episode.